0: Well, good morning, good morning. Great to see you in the house of the Lord today. It's glad to be back in the good old USA. I've been away for a couple of weeks with the Texas Country Boys Mission Tour to Ukraine. And we got in yesterday afternoon and went straight to the closest Mexican food restaurant. (laughs) So uh, it's great to be back. Just a quick report. We had (laughs) 1,546 souls that made... Commitments to become sincere followers of Jesus Christ.
1: sound great this morning. Thank you for being in church today. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together as God's people. Almighty God, we bow before you today and our hearts are full and thankful. God, we're thankful for for you as our creator, our redeemer, the one who loves us more than any other. God, thank you for your reign throughout all eternity. Lord, thank you for the hope that you've given to us, for the life that desires for you. And we thank you that you bring us into this place, Lord, a, another Sunday, but Lord, something very significant that we are asked to stop and, and rest and turn our hearts toward you and just give you Praise. And on this day, like every other Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus, we praise you as our resurrected Lord. The one who died on the cross and was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again to defeat death. Lord, that we might have life. Father, we're so grateful to be here. God, we thank you for life's special moments and the ones that we've celebrated, Lord, this week and this weekend. Father, thank you for a a wonderful weekend. Father, thank you for bringing Steve home to us. Father, we thank you for all of these new brothers and sisters that are ours in the Ukraine. And we're thankful for the Texas Country Boys and Michael God and this entire effort, Lord, that goes out evangelistically to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, today may your spirit fill this place. God, may you speak to our hearts. May we feel you and leave this place refreshed. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' powerful name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Be seated, church family. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're watching online, we welcome you also. Welcome to worship with us. Um, I'm gonna take a proud dad moment right off the top today if I can do so. Uh, many of you have already found the social media machine is... It was trucking strong last night. Um, I am proud to announce that that our daughter, Courtney Reeves, will soon be Courtney Woolsey because she was engaged last night to Mr. Chris Woolsey. Let's give those two a big hand. I I have in mind, if you wanna see the ring, she'll show it to you, all right? (laughs) And um, so I'm proud of that. That's exciting stuff. And if you're um, a guest of ours, I want to welcome you also to worship with us this morning. Uh, We are a a warm church family, and we want you to be surrounded and loved as you come to worship with us today. There is a guest card in the pew pocket in front of you, and um, we encourage you to grab that, fill it out, and you can drop it into the little giving box out on the landing um, if you would, as Jeff said last week, I thought it was well said, that's your offering to us. And, and um, we encourage all others to give faithfully to the Lord after the service is over. You may have already done that. But if you're a guest, um, just give us that card. We'll get some information about you and celebrate what God is doing in your life with us. And hopefully you'll be a part of our forever family. Um, tonight is light the night. We'll be talking about that a lot throughout the day. Um, there is totally room for you to come and park your car and raise the back or raise your trunk, whatever the style of your car is. We still need more trunks. Um, We don't have enough, and I don't want people to show up tonight and us have a paltry showing. So if you can still be a trunk for us, um, we have tons of candy. Maybe you can go grab a little bit of your own, and we'll supplement that. But we appreciate so much all those that have volunteered to be a trunk. Trunks are supposed to arrive um, at 530 and um, if you're a part of the other efforts of blocking off the street or being a registration table assistant or part of the security team, the parking crew, all those things are involved tonight. We really can't do it without everybody. Um, I saw several um, places in town already doing um, trunk retreats and things of that sort. And um, we're excited to do that tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. We call ours life tonight. Uh, we want to punch holes in the darkness and we want to use this holiday um, for the Lord's glory. Amen. And um, that gives us a wonderful chance to reach families. So I pray that you'll be here 6 to 7.30. Arrive at 5.30 if you're a helper. Um, Let's continue in worship this morning. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Amen. Let's stand together. Great is thy faithfulness. Great. Take it to heart. We thank you, we
1: love you, we praise you. Amen. Amen. God bless you again, and thank you so much for being with us this morning. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went up on the mountainsides around northern Israel, and he offered some of the most powerful teaching that the world has ever known. The compilation of those teachings we now call the Sermon on the Mount, and And in these magnificent teachings, he launched it all with these basic sayings that can give us refreshment in our life. Personal refreshing can come from God from what we call the Beatitudes. Now, we've said in this series that these are attitudes that ought to be, but I need to tell you this morning that the eighth Beatitude is different than any other. You see, not so much because it's a new attitude, but because it's a consequence of embracing the seven attitudes that preceded. So what I want to do today is we begin, and I want you to remain seated for this portion of our scripture reading, I want us to go back and read the seven Beatitudes that we've studied and read so far. So take your Bibles if you would. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And then we'll stand when we finally get later on in the message to the beatitude that we'll focus on today. And here's how Matthew 5 reads. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Church family, these are the seven steps of refreshing, and and I see them a little like I see steps on a ladder. If you'll look behind me, We've been tracing these steps that we must take for spiritual refreshing and personal refreshing. And, and I wanted to, in the beginning, to really to build them from the bottom up. But I didn't feel like we could see the word refresh being spelled out as well if I'd gone bottom to top rather than top to bottom. But now I want you to flip those in your mind and let's build them like a ladder from bottom to top. And let's review as we do so. The first step is to realize that I'm not God. We talked about this over and over again. That's the first step to spiritual refreshing. We have to realize that we are totally helpless in the spiritual realm. We can't make it to heaven on our own. We can't have our sins forgiven on our own. We're helpless. We need God's help. The second step, then, is to earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to Him. That's a powerful realization, isn't it? It's powerful to understand and know that God cares about me so the attitude flips from I'm totally helpless to I believe God can help even a sinner like me. Somebody say amen to that, right? God can help you and me. God loves us. The third step, we fully submit our lives and our will to Christ's control. This is blessed are the meek, right? I'll be meek, the attitude is, without being weak and we've shared again and again how meekness is strength under control that's the third step now the fourth step is to receive god's righteousness as a gift of grace it's not something that we earn it's not something that we can be good enough to achieve right no we're sinners we're helpless sinners we receive god's righteousness the attitude then is i'll cooperate with god's change process god wants to change you God wants to transform me. He wants to take us from where we are into his own image. He wants to mold us and shape us as disciples. That leads us to the fifth step, to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt me. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone else? The answer is probably all of us, right? And so our attitude is, I'll show mercy because I need mercy. And so we're to forgive as Christ has first forgiven us. That leads to the sixth step. To seek purity instead of perfection. We can't be perfect, but we can grow up and be mature, right? That's what the scripture says. We ought to seek purity. The attitude is, I'll admit my faults and accept God's cleansing. That's the attitude that we need to to, um, show in the world. And that leads us to last week's step, the seventh step... Help others find peace with God Blessed are the peacemakers I'll build bridges Instead of walls So so when you get to the seventh step Right the seventh wrong Then now you've achieved the top Of the ladder And the top of the ladder is not a step How many of you ever climbed a ladder And it says on there this is not a step Right don't do that It's dangerous right In the same way the eighth beatitude Isn't a step either it's the consequence of the first seven steps. And you, won't, and you probably won't like, hear me today, we probably won't like what we find at the top of the ladder. Let me tell you a story. I heard a story about a man who discovered a, a big nest of wasps up at the a huge nest under the eaves of his house. And that nest was so big, it even extended into a portion of the attic. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it can be a pretty traumatic thing. He bought a can of wasp killer, right? One of those with the real big stream that you can shoot from far away. But he didn't feel like he could get them, so he grabbed his ladder, right? He carefully climbed up, proceeded to bomb those, those pesky wasps. And the moment the spray hit them, What happened? a huge cloud, right, Joe, of angry wasps, right, started toward him. Now, rest assured, he climbed down the ladder much faster than he had climbed up. Uh, These steps of refreshing from the Beatitudes, folks, they're really similar. You see, once some people discover what's at the top of the Beatitude ladder, they want to scamper down and run away from the whole thing. And here's the reason because if you read ahead you already know where we're going folks at the peak of the beatitude ladder you're not going to find serenity you're not going to find peace not quiet no you're going to find persecution so this morning at the end of this whole process we have to be very very honest about what Jesus says let's stand together as we hear what he said about the consequences of taking these first seven steps today not one verse but three verses Matthew 5 10, 11 and 12 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad jesus said because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you this morning i want to share with you how this reads out of the message translation how many of you own a copy of the message um, it was produced by eugene peterson i want you to listen modern day language always very very um easy to hear here's the way they interpret it count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me what it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable you can be glad when that happens give a cheer even for though they don't like it I do and all of heaven applauds I like that don't you now before you're seated we have a little memory verse to quote are we ready? Today is week number eight, all right? All of you can memorize anything in eight weeks. Acts chapter three, verse 19. Is it on the screen? Oh, good, 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 good. Good job, Rick. I'm very proud. Up, ah, get that off. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Say it again. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I'm so proud. A plus 100. You may be seated. Wonderful. Folks, today as we begin this message, I want to tell you that there are some preachers today out there preaching a prosperity gospel. You've seen them. I've seen them. They're all over the television. And they say, follow Jesus, and everything you do is going to be roses, right? Uh, That message tickles people's ears, but Jesus never preached a prosperity gospel. Do you want to know the truth today? Jesus preached a persecution gospel. You see, Jesus Christ was honest. And this may seem really paradoxical today, and I get that. But you have to understand this. If you and I want to truly experience the refreshing blessings of God, then we have to understand persecution. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk together about four important facets of persecution. Here's the first thing. Let's just lay out the reality. Here's the reality today. When you live for Christ you will be persecuted. I'm going to say it again. When you live for Christ, you will be persecuted. Persecution is not reserved for a few Christians living in China or Africa or Afghanistan, right? 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So think about it this way. When you buy a new car... It has both standard equipment and the options, right? In the Christian life, persecution isn't an option. It's standard equipment. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you if people insult you. He said, blessed are you when people insult you. So let's talk about history. Did you know that thousands of Christians lost their lives the first 300 years of the church? The first 300 years of Christianity and one of the most famous was a wonderful old pastor in the city of Smyrna, that's modern Turkey, his name was Polycarp. And Polycarp had been a disciple of the Apostle John and in the year 156 A.D. he was arrested for being a Christian. He was tied to a stake to be burned to death and since he was so old the Roman magistrate decided to offer him mercy. He was going to give him a chance. He told Polycarp he would set him free. He would untie him from the stake to be burned if he would just say, Caesar is Lord. And Polycarp replied with these powerful words. This is true from history. He said, 80 and 6 years have I served Jesus Christ and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved even me? And when he said that, the wood around him was ignited and Polycarp's last words were these. He said, O oh Lord God Almighty, I thank you that I have graciously, that you have graciously thought me worthy of this day and this hour. It's amazing, isn't it? Hmm. The persecution to the death isn't just an ugly episode from history. Today in... 2021 Christians are still being put to death in the Sudan thousands of Christians have been massacred by the Muslim armies in Indonesia churches have been burned and Christians have been murdered we know the stories out of Afghanistan for those who believe in Jesus Christ thankfully Christians in America though aren't suffering physical persecution for our faith at least not in the Bible Belt yet Jesus spoke about different forms of persecution things that are different than physical suffering he mentioned insults and defamation of character right the form persecution most often takes is verbal insults and ridicule somebody making fun of us if you want to go to my twitter page you can see plenty of it on there right there's all types of persecution verbally that happens for believers folks if you stand up for jesus christ there'll be people in your family people at your job people at your school people in this community and in this world who will ridicule you and jesus predicted it would happen jesus knew it would happen and let me say this boldly if you've never been persecuted for being a christian you might want to consider whether you demonstrate your faith for others to see you might ought to think about how you're living as the old bumper sticker says if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you, right? So we have to start with the reality. If you live for Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. So now let's move to the second thing. I'm going to call this the reason. The reality, and now the reason, here's the reason, you'll be hated because you're different. A Christian is different, isn't she? A Christian is different, isn't she? He. You see, Jesus didn't fit the mold of the religious professionals of his day. So, what did they do? They reviled him. They hated him. When we embrace these beatitudes that Jesus taught us in the start of Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be crazy different than the world. And the world is going to what? Hate us. Because we're different. Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. The, the Beatitudes will never be embraced in our hard-nosed, dog-eat-dog world. The world doesn't like the Beatitudes. In fact, the world has its own set of Beatitudes, and they tell you how to get ahead. Let me tell you about the anti-Beatitudes. These were written by J.B. Phillips. I'm just going to read these. He said, Happy are the arrogant, for they never see themselves. Happy are the hard-boiled, for they never let life hurt them. Happy are those who complain, for they get their own way in the end. Happy are the complacent, for they never worry over their sins. Happy are the slave drivers, for they get results. Happy are the loudmouth, for they make people notice them. Those are the anti-beatitudes. When you live by the teachings of Christ, however, you'll be so different than the world that they're going to hate you for it. And people have always hated those who are different. Let me tell you another story. Stories about a man named Joseph Palmer. He lived in Massachusetts in the early 1800s. He decided to grow out a beard, and this was a period when most of the people in his day, most men, they never displayed facial hair. Joseph Palmer, though, was different, and because he grew a beard, guess what? They hated him. He had a beard. He was evil to be hated, right? He was ordered by the local officials to shave, but, but he refused. He suffered ridicule and, and derision. His home was broken into by vandals. On one occasion, some men actually wrestled him to the ground, and they tried to forcibly shave the man's beard off. He pulled a knife out to stop them, and then he was thrown in jail for assault, right? He was hated because he was different. And when he died in 1870, true story, these are the words that are on his tombstone. Joseph Palmer persecuted for wearing the beard. When you live for Jesus, the world's going to hate you simply because you're different from them. They curse their enemies. We pray for our enemies. When they hit on one cheek, they strike back we turn the other cheek. They go exactly one mile, and not a step further, but, but we, the followers of Christ, we go a second mile. The reason Christ was persecuted and executed was because he was so radically different in his teaching and his life. When you live for Jesus, you'll have more bricks thrown at you than bouquets. You see that reality, right? Right? When you live for Christ, persecution is going to be a part of it. The reason, you're going to be hated because you're different. Now the third thing, the reaction. The reaction. Make the choice to rejoice when you suffer for Jesus. Now here's where the sermon gets harder. The persecution's enough, but now we have a choice to make. And rejoicing is a choice, isn't it? Rejoicing is not a feeling, it's a choice that we make. Uh, Let's go back to the words of Jesus, and I want you to see what he said um, in Matthew 5, this time 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And then look at verse 12. This is so crazy. Rejoice and be glad. Does that get anybody's attention? Those two words really don't capture the power of what Jesus meant. Those words used together literally mean to leap and shout for joy. I want to take you back to 1989. The Chicago Bulls were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA playoffs. Many of you sports fans, it's hard to believe. I think the 1980s were 20 years ago in my mind. Okay, But, it, but it's like 40 years ago, right? And so go back to 1989, the Bulls are playing the Cavaliers, NBA playoffs, Michael Jordan was, was just entering his prime. These were the days of MJ, right? It was the fifth and final game, three seconds were on the clock, Cleveland led 100-99, to 99. the Bulls called a timeout to get the final shot, everybody in the building, I mean everybody in the building knew Michael Jordan was getting the ball, right? And history tells us the Bulls coach, Doug Collins, actually said this in the huddle. He said, get the ball to Michael, and the rest of y'all get out of the way. Right? He said that. So they gave him the ball, and he dribbled several times at the top of the key for a jumper. Well, he was being guarded by a guy named Craig Elo, and he went up to block Michael Jordan's shot. But Michael Jordan jumped. You might remember the scene. He jumps to shoot. He hangs in the air. Elo goes by. He shoots. Nothing but net, right? He nailed the shot as the buzzer sounded. In sports history, do you know what it's called? It's called the shot, okay? The shot, because of what Michael Jordan did next. Knowing they had won the series, he ran a few steps, he jumped up, pumping his fist in the air. You can see his legs in that classic Michael Jordan pose with his tongue out almost, and he says, Yes! That seems one of the most clash moments in sports history. And I, I tell you that because that's exactly the meaning of these words in verse 12. It means to jump for joy, to shout in victory. So when somebody insults you and me, when somebody ridicules us for our faith, our reaction should be a fist bump accompanied with a loud yes, right? And if you're wondering why you should jump for joy, you have to move to the next point. And this is the last one. The reality, the reason, the reaction. Now the reward. This is why we're jumping for joy. Great is our reward in heaven. Somebody say amen to that, right? When you've given your life to Jesus, you're awarded citizenship in heaven. Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21, listen to this, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body, friend, that's a reward, say yes, oh my soul in heaven, that's a reward, say yes. Yes. goodness that's a reward folks as christians we aren't promised that we're going to receive earthly rewards for our faith instead we're more likely to be the object of ridicule and persecution but the reason we can jump for joy when we're persecuted is that this world is not the only world This world is not the only world. There is a world to come, and there we will receive heavenly rewards. Say it with me. Every year, I close with this. I do about 40 funerals every single year of my ministry. And I've come to know it's one of the most powerful, meaningful ministry moments for the church. And I heard a story about a funeral that touched me, and I want to tell it to you. This funeral was for a lady who used to sing in the church choir. When she would sing, people in the church would say, you could see heaven on her face. One of those, one of those people. And she battled cancer for several years, and she had had to leave the choir. But she also took time to prepare for her death. And she even recorded a song and she asked the pastor to play it at her funeral service. And for those who were there that day, they said it was a goosebump moment. It was a powerful moment for them. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, our prayers have been answered. I finally arrived. The healing that has been delayed has now been realized. No one is in a hurry here. There's no schedule to keep. We're all enjoying Jesus just sitting at his feet. If you could see me now, she's saying I'm walking streets of gold. If you could see me now, I'm standing tall and bold. If you could see me now, you'd know I've seen his face. If you could see me now, you'd know the pain has been erased. You wouldn't want me to ever leave this place if you could only see me now.